other words, they told me that they were suspending me under clause 9.1. Budget to ensure financial stability amid rising costs of everyday living. You have to tell us more about family finance. In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, welcome back to Fred Talks, fam. I'm glad that you checked back in for another episode. I'm your host, Fred B. And on today's episode, I get straight to it, and I pose this multi-layer question, which is WTF. <laughs> I know your minds are already going, right? Hold up, hold up. It's not what you think it is, because two things can be true at the same time, y'all. Listen. Um, the first truth is that I respect language, right? I told you guys that I, you know, I did some writing, I did some spoken word, all this. I respect language and I appreciate having full range of expression, which may include profanity from time to time. Now, profanity is not necessarily vulgarity. There is a difference than just saying stuff, speaking flippantly and not caring about the consequences and how it may affect people. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about profanity from time to time to properly punctuate verbal communication in the same way that exclamation marks, asterisks, and semicolons color written communication. So if I had a page or a sheet of paper, of course I could see the intent. I can see the intensity that's meant behind the words, but you don't always have the benefit of that with verbal expression, especially auditory like this, where you can't see my facial expression to kind of impact you know, uh, the communication. So sometimes you need colorful language then to convey the right intensity. You follow me? So I'm not overly sensitive in that regard. I just wanted to put that out there. However, the other thing that's true, y'all, is that I told y'all in the first episode <laughs> that this podcast is something that I want my children to be able to glean from and extract, you know, uh, wisdom from and something that will nurture them in the time and the days to come, right? So I want to get it out there on wax. I want to have it archived because, of course, they're too young to really get into it right now. But come on, man, I'm not just going to be out here wilding, having them looking at dad sideways. Of course not. So, all that to reiterate that WTF is not what you may have immediately thought. So calm down. Get your heads out the gutter, y'all. <laughs> um, WTF is simply my mnemonic to assess situations that I experience or that I imagine to make sure that I move circumspectly and not recklessly out here in these streets. So WTF is what's the facts, what's the filter, what's the feeling, and all of that will help me to determine What's the influence or what's the future? What's the outcome that I want to experience or that I will experience that corresponds with the, the first three bullet points that I mentioned? So there's a whole lot that I want to unpack here today. But before we do, you know, I got to cover my bases and hit you with the ground rules. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. 
note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that the perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us. Unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Bread Talks. So now that we have uh, allowed you to gather yourself and calm down from that provocative title I hit you with, I know I kind of blindsided some of you guys. Let me tell you how this all came about. What had happened was, <laughs> um, I'm not sure how common this is with you all, but for me, I have this tendency of, uh, it's a bad habit that I'm trying to break away from, uh, of staying in my head more often than I should. And I observed an uptick in this recently and thought that I could serve you all and spare you some of the low energy and the heartache and headache that I brought upon myself. In fact, it may have even worsened as I became a father because, you know, as you might assume, you know, as a father, you have the concern of caring for your family, make sure wifey's good, make sure the kids are good, all these different things. And there's really a lot more things that are outside of our control than are in our control. Um, and there's really no benefit in standing your head like that. But it just it just happened. Like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a practice that I have to break myself away from because you got all these concerns. And you begin to carry it and you begin to entertain scenarios about the future all the time, or at least that's what I found myself doing. So as you might imagine, obsessing over the future can be anxiety inducing. Some people might even say, well, hey, that's synonymous. In fact, there's a quote that I recall, which is pretty apropos for this type of podcast. Uh, the quote, it goes, I, I think it goes something like uh, regret is an obsession with the past, while anxiety is an obsession with the future. Now, I'm loosely paraphrasing because I don't remember where I read it, but the point is. It robs you of the present. I mean, all you have is now, right? And, you know, tomorrow is going to have enough challenges of its own for me to conquer when I get there. Soon as I wake up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or whatever time I get up, that day already has built into it some challenges that will require my full attention for me to perform at my best. So I might as well walk into tomorrow with the full benefit of having been present all throughout today, learning, extracting, gleaning, metabolizing certain experiences. So I'm ready for it. Right. Tomorrow will have enough challenges of its own. Y'all, that's the gospel truth. That's red letters right there in your B-I-B-L-E. If you uh, get down, uh, if you're of that persuasion. So past has already occurred. I can't change that. I can only leverage those lessons and hopefully assign empowering meetings to the things that transpired, whether they felt powerful or not at the time. And I love that. That's the power of what we're going to explore today. The meanings that we assign <clears throat> to certain things, which is pretty magical when you consider that, y'all, we have the power to define. Don't ever let somebody else define your situation for you. Don't ever relinquish that right, right? Uh, we can adopt the perspective that life happens to us or that it happens for us, or if, and if we're willing, that it will happen through us for the benefit of everyone in our sphere of influence. So let's be clear though, I don't want anybody to take this and run in the opposite direction of what I'm saying. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. To be clear, yes, we can we can assign our own meanings, but we cannot have our own facts. I'm not in a hey, I'm not in the business of creating alternative facts, y'all. We got enough revisionist history out here. Look, I don't want to add to that type of canon. <laughs> so we cannot have our own facts, but we can have our own interpretation of the facts and we could allow that interpretation to serve us. So let's roll up our sleeves and let's break this thing down. Our first order of business, when we catch ourselves slipping and going bananas, just going ape, creating a robust storyline with a full-fledged cast, a Hollywood budget, 
uh, with all kind of props, a two-part sequel, all of this going on, all originating and kind of contained in our head is to wait, to breathe, <laughs> to pause, it's to ask ourselves the first WTF, what are the facts? Calm down. Let's just gather the facts. So to answer this, we have to get clarity on what happened. So before we read into a story, let's just explore. Uh, and this might sound something like this, you know, maybe pausing to just ask ourselves in an instance of communication. Maybe maybe you're misconstruing what somebody said, which happens a lot with text messages. So let's use that as a scenario. Uh, what did the text message really say? Just step back and breathe before you go ham, before you just ruin the whole relationship, before you get on Facebook and just uh, launch this diatribe and just drag somebody. Hold on. What did it really say? Like, just what's the content before we jump to conclusions? Right. With with text, you, you already know that we don't we don't know the intent of, of what the recipient meant. Of course, we could say, well, I know how they get down. And I know that this was going on. We might say that, but we don't know for sure. We don't know the intent. We only have the content. We don't even have the benefit of, of inflection in the case of written uh, communication. And really, even with text message, y'all know that sometimes autocorrect be wilding, right? And so it could throw the whole, it could skew the whole message. It could mess you up out here, right? Um, and here's another example, okay? So that's the text message. Another example might be on the job. So we may uh, observe that the volume of work is slowing down. The demand is changing. Um, and maybe we know what happened this time last year. It may or may not mean that layoffs are coming, though, just because that happened sometimes, sometime before. The fact is simply that the volume of work has slowed down. And right now, that's the only thing we can verify. It's the only thing we can observe. That's the only thing we really know, right? Now, there may have been times for me, I could just you know let you into my world, where I have presumed uh, layoffs were coming because work was slow. That's why I use this example. And, and that's why I use the text message example too, because I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you what I read, I'm telling you what I know. Um, work was slow and instead of enjoying a breather, instead of me just maximizing the time and just chilling a little bit, you know, I'm not trying to say just be negligent, just absol uh, abdicate my, um, my responsibilities, but instead of getting all worked up, I wasted a lot of time by worrying, y'all. I read somewhere that worrying is a false sense of control. And that was the problem. I felt like I was not in control of when that pink slip, uh, when that, that paper might come, that termination letter might come, or when the bad news, when the other shoe would drop. I wasn't in control. And so worrying, for whatever reason, kind of made it seem like I had some hold on things, which is not true. It gave this false illusion and this negative illusion, this stressful illusion that I was in control. And um, I think... I think what happens is we revert to worrying when uncertainty arises, as if encumbering and draining our mental faculties with enough pressure can somehow influence the situation for our good. As if, if I worry strong enough or hard enough or long enough, or ardently enough, then I can influence the outcome. And y'all know that's, if anything, that's going to rob you of the stamina uh, that you need, the creativity that you need, uh, the clarity of mind that you need to uh, be solution oriented to land at a favorable outcome. Y'all know that. So the truth is, um, and I know you already know this, but it's worth getting on record, is that if we didn't witness the facts firsthand, then that's all the more reason that we should proceed with caution, right? Um, also, we are in the information age, but as just as much as we're in the information age, we are in the misinformation age. So we have to be even more vigilant and sober-minded enough to consider the source 
um, of who's carrying information to us. And we also have to be that much more vigilant to make sure we harness our thoughts so that we don't create a context that's not there because of some other misinformation we may have had. You know, if somebody's carrying information to us or if we're gathering our information from a certain source, we got to ask, is this just an op-ed site? Is this just a Twitter feed? And how credible could a Twitter feed be? Because, you know, a lot of people out here just, I mean, just reckless in the social media space, right? Reposting without even fact-checking, without even taking 30 seconds just to Google, without just even going to Spokio or, you know what I'm saying? We're just out here reposting. <laughs> and, and, and in your real life, in your offline space, people are just resharing bad information and being the carrier of bad news sometimes without even fact-checking. So we got to ask, is this messenger credible? Is the author of this credible? Um, if, if there's a company that's, resp that's endorsing certain things, we got to ask, we got to see, we got to investigate, how are they vested in this? And is there a certain underlying agenda being pushed? We got to see if we can connect some dots. And then finally, after we become clear on what actually happened, we want to see if these things can be verified by another or multiple or another and multiple sources to just get a fuller picture. Maybe we get a panoramic view of what's going on. And then further, we want to see if our findings can be cross-examined. So just don't take it at face value. Now let's interrogate the information we got. And did I find any contradictions? And did I find enough similarities maybe to attest to the veracity of what I found initially? These are some things that we want to consider for the first WTF, which is what are the facts? Number two, after we've gathered the facts, we're ready to ask, what's the filter? Or said another way, what is the story behind the story? What's the story that is the veneer to the story, right? What's the, the top layer that I'm, or what's the lens that I'm seeing the story through? You know, am I projecting out here? Am I out here bringing my own baggage, my own unresolved trauma or phobias to the facts rather than allowing the facts to have its own life and tell its own story. And, and I should clarify that not all filters are bad. I'm not trying to imply that you shouldn't bring any filter. Uh, filters are amoral, uh, but they do certainly color the information that you're getting. They will affect your interpretation. Your filter or your lens could be cultural based on, you know, the culture that, that nurtured you and, and you grew up in, uh, the gender. You know, um, as a male, I'm going to see certain things from a male lens and there may be some blind spots that uh, I might need to uh, connect with my wife so she can kind of help give me a fuller understanding of, of, of what's, what's occurring in, in our space. So now I have my perspective and her perspective combined, you know, theological, your, you know, your faith, you know, whether you're Muslim, Christian, atheist, um, whatever faith you practice where there's some values that you have been uh, immersed in or have been indoctrinated or have been passed, some traditions that have been traded down to you, that will shape, you know, your estimation of things or will shape your interpretation of things. And you just need to be aware of that. Um, economical. So, you know, man, if, if things are tight right now in my own budget, just on a very micro level, if they're tight on my own, in my own budget, I might perceive information. It, it may just be uh, mild, but it will be all bad for me based on how much money I got access to right now, how many resources I have access to, right? Geographical, you know, in the United States, you're going to interpret something differently than somebody else uh, in, in, in the Eastern uh, area, Eastern region, right? And historically, you know, all these different things are going to affect your filter. That's not an exhaustive list, but those are just some of the things that kind of come to mind. So all, all or one of those variables can be your rose-colored glasses, magnifying glasses, or they can become the dim glasses 
that will uh, shade the facts, right? They will make the facts appear more dismal than they objectively are, right? Um, if I heard the facts from a third party, then I have to consider, like I said before, what credibility or agenda does a third party have? Am I taking context relevance into, the, into consideration? And all of these have to be addressed because if I don't suspend my own bias or if I'm not even aware of my own bias, then I could create a self-fulfilling prophecy to my own demise. Like, for instance, like I said, from the gender bias or the gender filter. So I know that I'm going to see things by default from a male perspective. It would benefit me to consult my wife, to get her buy-in, to, to, to see what she's thinking. Uh, it would even benefit me to get some counsel from some of the, from the elders in my community to, to just get it, get it from all angles, you know, even to get some people uh, from other faiths to help me interpret it. So that way, before I make a major move, now I don't need to do this for every move, but if there's major consequences that could follow, yeah, I want to get a multitude of counsel to make sure that my plan uh, and how I move is airtight, right? Or else, I here's the, so, so I could interpret information as being more dismal than it actually is if I don't suspend my bias or because if my bias is uh, super hyper optimistic, then I could fail to adequately prepare for something, even though all the red flags were there. I could just dismiss all the red flags because, you know, it's just really the law of human nature. Uh, we want things to work out in our favor. We, we like to believe that things are better than they actually are. And so if I see this writing on the wall, I could dismiss it thinking, oh, things will things will be OK. And all the signs were there telling me I should have tightened up and I would have nobody to blame at the end of it, but myself. So we talked about facts and we talked about filters. We have two more Fs to cover and we'll be back after these announcements. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle at Fred Talks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Fred Talks. Remember, Talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but when it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented, motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. Point number three, what am I feeling or what's the feeling? WTF. Of course, whatever facts we gather and whatever filter is applied will generate feelings about the situation. Said another way, there are the facts and then there is our interpretation of the facts or the story that we assign to the facts, which will make us feel a certain way. You'll feel a way about it, right? 
So this is fascinating because two things or two people can receive the same news, but depending on the meaning they assign to the news, that will determine how they feel about the news. I know you've seen this play out many times in your own space, right? For example, I mean, really, people could be, it could be siblings, brothers and sisters on the same house, hear the news and boom, it could affect them differently. Uh, husband and wife, and of course, again, some of that is gender playing out maybe, um, but but you, you get what I'm saying. People can attend the same church, they can live in the same neighborhood, they can work at the same job. And let's talk about the job situa situation. Let's play that scenario out. So a company can be laying people off because they just need to downsize. One employee can see this as that final confirmation that they were supposed to leave the job and return to school or accept a competing offer you know, from another job that they were entertaining, but they were a little bit indecisive about. So this is kind of like, okay, perfect. The decision was made for me. So they have no problem with it. Another employee might panic because they think and this is this this employee is probably standing in their head like I like I tend to do. Uh, but another employee might panic because they think that if one employer fires them, then no other employer in that region will either be hiring because what well, they're downsizing then the economy is affecting every job and every job is going to be downsizing. Not realizing that, you know, there are different roles, there are different jobs, there are different demands. You know, everybody's not operating with the same level of uh, efficiency with their management. So, so that's some reason why people are cutting back because they were poorly managed. The company was poorly managed. There's a whole host of reasons that we don't know, right? So rather than harnessing their concerns, they make a mountain out of a molehill or they make a global situation out of something that is really a very local, very concentrated, very contained situation or a specific situation. And then another employee might see this as sufficient downtime to finally launch their business ventures or passion projects while floating off of that severance package, if, you know, if severance package is a thing nowadays, right? So, so they're relieved where one person was, one person was content, like, hey, this is cool. We made the decision for me. One person was panicking. And this other scenario, the person was, um, was relieved. You know, they're like, hey, this is great. I can just take a moment to re recollect myself, reconnect with the family, because, you know, they're probably hardworking, already been out there grinding tirelessly, uh, building the employer's legacy, and now they're like, you know what? I've been kind of neglecting my family or I haven't been able to connect as deeply as I wanted to. And so they they welcome the change. All that to say, one person can see the problem while the other sees the potential. And that's going to determine how they feel about the facts presented to them. Let me just make sure that you all are picking up what I'm laying down so far. We have established that there are the facts. Then there's the filter, which is essentially uh, your narrative or the context, the way you frame the facts. It's just the narrative behind the facts or or the interpretation that you assign to the facts. Then there are the feelings and how we feel about the facts determine the future or it determines the outcome because we will behave a certain way that could produce a self-fulfilling prophecy or uh, we will be inactive in a way that could be to our own detriment sometimes. We can feel however we want to feel about the facts as long as we aren't being driven by the facts. Feelings can be great messengers, but they make horrible mas masters, right? They can be good indicators. Once we get the feelings, we have enough presence of mind to say, hey, I'm feeling a little anxious about this. Let me stop and investigate. Let me stop and explore. Or this, this has me uh, sad or angry. Let me investigate the anger and see why this is present, why this is surfacing right now. We can have the feelings, but we want to stay out of our feelings, if you will. We don't want them to carry us away. There's the horse and then there's the rider, right? We want to be the rider in charge of the horse, which, is, which are our feelings. So, as long as we are aware of the feelings and we channel them in a way that serve us, uh, we can increase the probability of a brighter future. You know, even if it is 
uh, unfortunate, you know, something that we would not have wished upon ourselves, we can find the good. You know, we can find some measure of good, some gem in the in the outcome if we want to, if we are determined to, if we're adamant about it, if that's our resolve, right? We can determine how it can work for us and hopefully muster some gratitude so that we can fly above the fray as much as possible, right? Because at the very least, there's a lesson in it. At the very least, at, at the very least, the lesson might be trust your gut or you need to be more in tune. You need to fine tune your, your gut. You know, you were off, you missed it. You know, go back and um, assess where you may have misstepped, right? All right, so before I wrap it up, what I wanna do is I want to um, share some best practices that have served me well and being more mindful of WTF, what are the facts, feelings, uh, <clears throat> what, what's the future, you know, et cetera. Prayer is number one. It has uh, been helpful to me. And if you're open to that, uh, I think it can be beneficial for you as well, um, especially if you are brought up in the, in the faith that, you know, really goes to scripture. There's a scripture that says, cast your cares to the Lord for he cares for you. Right now, some people get a get a verse, right? They get a chapter and verse and they uh, they may they practice eisegesis instead of exegesis and they make it mean things that it never meant before or they they just really mishandle it. So I just want to be clear what I'm not saying. I'm not suggesting that we be absent minded and that we are to cast our cares to the Lord. We're supposed to, you know, verbally express what we're concerned about. And at that point, our responsibility or our involvement with problem solving is done. That is not what I'm saying. I am not saying we abdicate our responsibility for our lives, not one bit. Um, but this scripture does help us to be mindful that you're not alone in your problem solving. It's not as bad as you may initially think. It's, it, it may be bad, what you consider bad, but it's not as bad as you probably are thinking it is. And the reason why is because you have access to a resourceful deity that actually cares for you. So even if you feel alone, then you can console yourself by knowing, well, uh, there is someone that cares for me and they care about me and I can, I can have access to some of these resources or at least even, even if it's not the resources, I can get the wisdom, you know, um, as opposed to me being out here thinking that everyone is indifferent about my hardship. Now, even if praying to a deity is not your thing, verbalizing just what's swimming around in your head, even if you just take a walk and you may not call it prayer, you may not be speaking, directing your, uh, your communication to anyone, but still just speaking it out loud. Sometimes hearing how ludicrous of a story that uh, we have imagined from just a snippet of information we may have gotten, just an excerpt, just a soundbite of information, just a, just a tweet, right? Just a headline. And we ran away with the story. And sometimes us verbalizing it and saying, man, you were wilding. You are wilding. Like, how do you come up with that? How you? How does one plus one equal equal thirteen in your book? You know. And when we hear how wild it's been, it can help us to uh, be more grounded, and we might even learn to laugh at ourselves. In the same vein, with that is journaling. Journaling is um, so good to sort your thoughts out and to get clarity. Uh, journaling has the added benefit of giving you a reference because you can go back and look at your archives and you can see how many times before have you crafted a storyline. That was so far-fetched, so uh, far from reality it, in the times before. And what it, will do, what it will hopefully do is call you back to a place of optimism. Because you will say, man, I thought that thing was going to wipe me out. And look at me, I'm still here. And if I endured that, and I thought it, I thought that it was insurmountable, 
then I can endure what's in front of me right now. So hopefully it restores you to a place of optimism, clarity, and at the very least, object, ob objectivity. You can see things as they are. And then believe it or not, meditation has proven in my life to be profoundly helpful. Now, it's a bit ironic because most people are probably inclined to think that meditation is all about staying in your head. And I told you that that was one of the things I'm trying to get away from. But meditation helps you to become an observer to the thoughts that are floating through your head. So instead of just as a reflex, taking um, ownership of every thought that populates on the screen of my mind or me identifying with every thought, thinking that the thought is my voice because it comes in. It sounds like it's my voice. So you think that, yeah, that's what you're thinking for it. Right. Uh, you, you know, if worry populates on the screen of my mind and I have the tendency to say, oh, I'm worried, like I identify with the thought. But meditation helps you to observe the thought. So you are aware that worry is present, that anxiety is present. Maybe that fear is present. You're aware of its presence, but you don't have to own it. You don't have to say, I am afraid. I am worried. I am X, Y, Z. You don't have to identify or connect with it. You can just observe, observe it for a while. You can say, oh, yeah, fear is around right? And you get to decide how you want to interact with it. You get to decide, do you want to continue to water that thought by entertaining it? Do you want to abort the thought and just kick it out, just reject the thought? Or do you just want to watch it for a while to see what comes of it? Can it serve you? Because maybe if you're feeling afraid, maybe it will cause you to, um, you can, you can use that, 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 that fear to, uh, to tighten up on your performance to ensure you get the outcome that you want. Like if you're afraid that your competition might be practicing harder, they might be more prepared, then you can use that as a motivation to prepare even further. Now that's a short-term remedy. I don't, I don't recommend using fear as your, your default motivator or your long-term long -term motivator, all right? So those are just a few of the best practices that have helped me to stay sane and to, get, uh, get, uh, to not get in my feelings or to create my own facts when I'm met with the unexpected. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode for the archives. Do you like it? Do you feel it, though? Did anything resonate with you? Did it motivate you? So now what? What are you going to do about it? What's your next move? Share your thoughts by emailing fredtalx at mail.com or connect on Twitter at fredtalks, spelled Fred T A L X. Tune in next time for some more gems.